0: They've worked in and around the wrestling business, they've studied thousands of hours of wrestling, and now they bring to you the greatest legends, hall of famers, creative minds, and both current and future stars of pro wrestling. They are...
1: Primetime Pod and Chad, the two-man power trip This is a two man power trip of wrestling brought to you and powered by Spartacon, a Rebels convention hosted by the Red Serpents on August 15th and 16th at the Blue Crabs Baseball Stadium in Waldorf, Maryland. Please visit redserpents.com for more information. With that being said, my name is Chad, and as always, I am brought to you by the Murphy of our tag team here, and that is Primetime John Paz. Hello, Primetime Paz Murphy. How are you? Hello, Chad. How are you doing, buddy? I'm doing very well, and the reason I say that is because our guest today is Murphy's former tag team partner, Gunner, And Gunner, who is fresh off his TNA Impact Wrestling departure, Joins us for his first interview post-TNA, and man, was it a great interview. He is a hell of a talent, and I think this guy needs to get scooped up right now. <laughs>
0: hey, I uh, I totally agree. I was actually pretty
1: shocked. I mean, I'm not easily shocked uh,
0: in the business but anymore by releases and stuff, because you know how the business goes here one day, got another, and they forget about you. But Gunner, I mean, he has the look, has the size, has the wrestling ability, to talk a little bit. I mean, he's been around the block. He's been wrestling everywhere. You know, he's been in TNA almost six years, so it's just a little bit surprising to see he get released given his talent level.
1: Yeah, and he says it in the interview. He's been a guy that, for some reason, TNA would get hot on, and then they would go cold on him, and then they'd push him to the moon, and then he'd be sitting at home for six months. And it just is so weird because he came in as such a faceless, Nameless security guard for Dixie Carter and emerge into this great you know blossoming superstar that they entrusted you know with holding the t v title and then being in the bound for glory series at the end and and having the feaster fired briefcase, which in t n a those are big deals and uh for some reason, it just seemed like they never like they had him in in the queue and they never pushed him forward to press play,
0: yeah, it's almost. I hate to say, it, but it almost seems like typical TNA where they almost get like we actually we talked about this a little bit with Gunner too. But they almost get like lost or something. I mean, they almost have like too much going on, or or they're they're thinking about it too hard, and and they almost can't finish what they start, and then they end up mixing everything. So it, it's uh, I guess it's just the way TNA has been, and and hopefully they can straighten it out. But it's just the way it goes in the wrestling business, but it especially it seems like the way it goes in TNA, even though. Obviously, Gunnar has a lot of talent and a ton of potential still left.
1: Yeah, totally. And I felt like what he said in regards to TNA and, and the way they go about their business is very similar to what Magnus told us uh, a couple of months back, and that is just exactly like you said. Like They get going, they get hot, and it just kind of fizzles off, and you never really have any kind of rhyme or reason. And the tie-in between the two of them leads us to the end of last year, where they had a big championship match in England. and. You know, Gunner really had momentum, I feel like, coming out of it. And it just, again, it didn't pan out, but he's definitely super talented. And now the hot rumor is that, is WWE and NXT interested in bringing him in? Now that they are accepting guys that have been on the lam, I guess, from other companies, uh, is Gunner headed to NXT?
0: That is the big rumor right now. As soon as he was released, you heard that WWE was interested in him. So I tend to actually believe that rumor. I think that they are interested. Maybe they'll start him out at NXT, but I can easily see uh, him making the um, you know the, the big roster, the big WWE roster, relatively quickly. I mean, he's um, I mean he's not old, but he's not not young either. As you mentioned, he's 33 years old, so I don't know if he really needs to spend a lot of time in NXT, given the fact that he debuted all the way back in 2001. But you know, it seems like they're trying to pump up NXT a little bit, so I wouldn't be surprised to see him start out there as well.
1: And we know he knows how to get over in Orlando with the Orlando wrestling fans. But also, speaking of NXT, down there is a former major adversary in the wrestling world of him, but also somebody who really helped him out along the way, and that is another former guest of our show, and that is the scrap daddy himself, Adam Pierce. And I think he kind of alluded to, you know, the fact that maybe that NXT uh rumor could, you know, pan out more favorably for him because of a guy like Adam Pierce being down there. Now, what do you think a guy like Pearce uh, being down there could influence maybe, uh, you know, guys that are free agents and, and possibly coming into the company? Yeah, I don't know how much clout
0: the scrap Daddy has down there, but it would be great if he did influence, because then you'd see some great talent that he's worked with before be able to get down there in NXT. But even aside from that, Pierce had a great, when Gunner was full shatter, uh, Pierce had some great matches with him in the NWA, and he speaks very, very fondly of those matches. And, you know, he was actually glad that we, were, we we brought that up because he loved talking about Adam Pierce and what a great influence he was on his career and how much he helped him and, and the fact that they had so many great matches together with the NWA.
1: And that's definitely one of the main positives I think that we can, you know, ourselves pick out about NXT is that they've got some great guys down there that are really... Uh, having the best minds uh, for the business and, and in control of these the next generation of superstars, as we, uh, we've we dubbed it. But uh, now, prime time, I don't want to put you on the spot. But with Gunner, and he had a lot of great uh, feuds, he had a lot of great moments, a couple shocking ones, what stands out to you as something when you relive the Gunner run in TNA? What stands out to you most about his run? When he teamed with James Storm,
0: I felt like like that was a great team. Storm is a great tag team wrestler, a I great mean, wrestler in general. But seems like he always ends up having great tag teams like AMW, and especially Beer Money. And then when they were together, I'm like, man, these two mesh together really well, I like their chemistry. Then boom, um, James Storm turns on him uh, in a match where Gunner went for the world title against Magnus, and boom, there's a big feud that starts between them. And I actually liked the feud more than them teaming, I thought I would really uh, not like that, you know, that they broke up. Not so quickly, but I I was like, oh man, I was just getting into them as a team, but it actually turned out great. I mean, they had an awesome steel cage match, they had an awesome My equip match. It was that time in TNA, everything else was kind of like, eh, you know, that's okay, you know. Like Magnus and Smojo kind of a small feud at that point, which was okay, but then like, boom, like out of uh, almost out of nowhere, these you know, Storm and Gunnar were having great, great matches that were still in the show. So that definitely sticks out to me. Gunner versus James Thorne probably sticks out to me the most.
1: Yeah, it was very cool. Definitely. uh, It didn't hurt that the guys, when they stand next to each other, if they were back-to-back, they look like uh, they're twins as well with that same similar look. But before we get to all the TMPTOW plugs and such, just want to mention that we are recording this right after the big impact where – there were multiple names that did show up, like a Matt Morgan and Hernandez and Jeff Jarrett. And as they're bringing in some older talent, you see a talent like Gunner, you know, kind of get pushed, uh, you know, down the uh, the slide. There, what do you think Gunner has going for him as he's going off into, you know, the quote-unquote indie scene, but also these other emerging promotions? What do you think Gunner can bring to the table for somebody?
0: Oh, he's got a lot. I mean, just look at the guy. I mean, just watch him wrestle. He's a great wrestler. He can talk. He's got a great look, and he's just as Hulk Hogan says, He's got it. He does something about him that you know makes him stand out—the charisma factor, the hit factor, whatever you want to call it. But he has something that makes him stand out above some of the other guys. And I really felt um, TNA dropped the ball when they let go of Gunner. And like you said, I mean, they've brought in Vader for, for uh, a brief appearance. Hernandez seems to be back. I believe Matt Morgan is is uh, wrestling on Sunday and then I believe he's gone. And then, of course, Jeff Jarrett. I'm not sure what's going on there, but that should be interesting. But I feel like Gunner could easily end up in uh, Global Force. He could easily end up at WWE or NXT. And um, quite frankly, he could easily just stay on the indie scene and make a boatload of cash because... The indie scene is uh, pretty hot right now.
1: Yeah, totally, and we definitely encourage you to seek out Gunner uh, via his plugs that he has at the end of the show. There, he's uh, he's definitely he's an emerging star. He's a rising star. I think that was very well said on your part, Prime Time. And before we get into the plugs, we just want to remind you that today's episode is brought to you by Spartacon, a rebels convention hosted by the Red Serpents on August fifteenth and sixteenth at the Blue Crabs Baseball Stadium. In Waldorf, Maryland, please visit RedSerpents.com for more information on that fantastic convention. It's coming closer and closer every day. In prime time, as we get closer to this amazing convention, what's something that you're looking forward to about it?
0: The Spartacon Marketplace. That's the place to be, where all the vendors are in the merch tables. It will have booth at their booths at their booths of unique creative and handmade products from vendors who are just as passionate as the fans. You'll also have some autograph tables where you can meet some of the stars of Spartacus. So don't forget to visit the best part of these shows, and that's the vendor tables, the merch tables. You'll want to hit that. In addition to all that, for those traveling there, there's a special Spartacon discounted rate at the Hilton Garden Inn and the Hampton Inn Hotels in Waldorf, Maryland. Please get all that and more information at redserpents.com. That is Spark on August 15th and 16th in Waldorf, Maryland, at the Blue Crab Stadium. Again, please visit Red Serpents. Two man power trip of business, uh, two man power trip of wrestling business, excuse me, to attend to. And that is for you to subscribe to us on YouTube. Please subscribe to us on iTunes. Leave us a review. We'd like to hear some feedback. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at WrestlingPal and at Two Man Power Trip. and of course check out the website TMPTofWrestling.com. That is TMPTofWrestling.com. And also, while you're at the site, go to the upper left-hand corner, click on the Bombas link. You will not be sorry. They are the greatest sock in the history of socks. So please, if you need a pair of socks go to our site, go to the upper left-hand corner, and click on that Bombas link. You will not be sorry. Each pair you buy, one gets donated to the homeless, so it's an additional kicker for you. So please, if you want the greatest sock ever, if you want the greatest sock of all time, go to com and go to the upper left-hand corner for Bombas. Now, without any further ado, please enjoy... Our great, great interview with a former TNA TV champion, a former TNA tag team champion, a former NWA national champion, a man that's done a lot in this business, and I feel like he has the potential to do a lot, lot more. A great, great underrated hand, a great worker. This guy can do it all, folks. Please enjoy our interview with Gunner.
1: He's known as the modern day Viking. He has proudly served his country as a member of the United States Marines, and now he's on his way to making a name for himself on his own. He's recently parted ways with t n a wrestling, and our guest tonight is primed and ready to strike and With that being said, we welcome Gunner to the two man power trip of wrestling. Thanks so much for joining us, gunner.
2: yeah, man, thank you guys. hope everybody's doing good tonight
1: uh we're doing uh we're doing awesome, but now you know really uh. I guess uh, interesting timing in getting a chance to talk to you because uh, this uh, this past week it was found out that you're now no longer with uh, TNA Impact Wrestling. Um, you know, there's some some news or some speculation as to the reasons why. But I mean, were you given a reason as to why uh, you guys were uh, ultimately parting? Uh, there's
0: really no
2: super big reason. One of the uh, you know one of the one of the things that come up was really that they had nothing for me at the time. And I mean, it's, you know, uh, no big deal. I, I, I tend to keep a positive attitude and, and, you know, you guys are my first interview as far as since I've uh, parted ways with them last Friday. And um, I look forward to whatever the future holds, whether it be acting or whether it be another uh, wrestling company promotion, uh, you know, wrestling fans haven't seen the last of gunner, but I, I, I think TNA and I've talked to you know, the uh, talent relations and everybody and Dixie and thank took for the opportunities I've been on them since 09, you know, working security and everything. And uh, yeah, I think it was just maybe the the right time for me to kind of part ways with the company. And we left on good terms and, and you know, I could easily go back and do some more stuff. But like I said, it was, it was a good standing relationship. We still have it. And, and I'm thankful for the opportunities they gave me.
1: No, it's uh, it's definitely the only reason I, I say it's questionable because, I mean, it's great that you have the opportunity to go explore Uh, the business, because there's a lot of movement right now, you know, outside of just impact wrestling. And and there's a lot of rumblings as to maybe places you could end up. But I just think the timing is interesting with uh, TNA building to the Slammiversary event, that they're starting to bring back old names, you know, whether it's for one night or one shot or a couple shows here or there. So from that perspective, I thought the timing of it was a little odd, but before you left before your exit, uh, your last program. How did you feel the direction was towards the end of your run there, and uh, maybe things could have gone better had you been utilized differently?
2: Yeah, you know when I did the excuse me when I did the uh, feud last year with James Storm, I mean to me that was uh, a feud that kind of catap- catapulted my career and catapulted the Gunner character. And then um, you know once that ended, we, we we went on with me and Sam Shaw where we did kind of a you know a four or five month deal, which I really really enjoyed because there was a lot of Um, a lot of of out-of-ring interaction as well, so it was kind of, you know, building the characters there with Sam and Gunner, and uh, giving Gunner a new side of actually caring about somebody and vice versa with Sam, but um, I felt like me and Sam, you know, we had a match in Bethlehem, PA. It was kind of a one-off match where me and him had the big, hardcore deal, and I thought it went amazing, man. I mean, the crowd really enjoyed it, Um, and I felt like, at the time, guys like me and Sam, who was no longer at the company also, you know, were after that, kind of underutilized. And, and, and you know, certain other guys came in. Um, I've had no problem with anybody in the locker room and impact by no means. But I do feel like, you know, especially my character, uh, me as a person, being there for since '09. Uh, I feel like I was underutilized after that. I think it was a good opportunity after I wrestled Magnus, you know, at that main event in Manchester in 2014 to just, like, keep going with what we had. But it was like, I don't know, I feel like... Uh, you know, it was just, there was a ball dropped there somewhere. I don't know if I did something wrong or, um, you know, the, the the riders got lost. I'm not sure, man.
1: Yeah, they use the old uh, Ghostbusters analogy of crossing the streams because you definitely came a long way from when you first debuted in the company. We'll get to that in a minute. But the big story with TNA had been over the last six to eight months was the move from Spike to Destination America, also the rumblings of are they being sold to another entity, where are they going to end up, Billy Corgan coming in. The last year has been so trying, I guess, from a superstar's perspective. But from the locker room perspective, with all those changes going on, how do you keep yourself grounded in where you're going to be headed next, whether the direction is somebody coming from the writing staff or changing networks? what What's your mindset in trying to keep yourself grounded? Yeah, my mind
2: mindset was just really – just trying to worry about the Gunner brand, really, and, and, you know, who I was and what they were giving me, you know, whatever whatever I had to do. Uh, I, what, I haven't been on – I wasn't on TV, but maybe two or three episodes this year. Uh, and a lot of the reasons are, you know, TNA gave me the the uh, opportunity to go do a couple movies, so it kept me off the screen for a while. But, uh, when you know, when it comes to changes like that as far as the locker room or the TV brand or stuff like that, a lot of the locker room guys, you know, all of us just tend to go, hey, you know hopefully this is a good direction for the company, and the thing is is you never really you don't how many of us complain. We would just go out there and really do our best um at what we did. We'd take storylines whether we liked it or not, and go out there and and, and make it the best we can and I think we kind of i personally try to keep my nose out of the old political side of professional wrestling because that's one thing I never really cared about anyway. I'm always worried more about you know my career I've been in this since two thousand and one. And uh, I still have many, many more goals to obtain. So and that, if you want to obtain those goals, a lot of times you just got to keep your nose clean, do what you're told, and uh, just try to do your job the best you can.
0: You know, what? Well, recently, obviously, your release was a huge story, you know, in, in the dirt sheets, around the sites and everything. But even bigger rumor lately uh, regarding you is that the WWE has expressed interest towards you. They love your look. They love your ability. You know, they, they like you. Is that rumor true or is that just Internet hearsay?
2: I think right now this is Internet hearsay. I, I personally I have a thirty day no compete clause, obviously when you when you uh leave a company or they you know uh release you or whatnot, so I can't really even even talk to anybody. But uh, you know, ultimately my goal as a kid was to have that WrestleMania moment. Um, uh, you know, I haven't touched base with anybody yet, but I hope that in the future that, you know, some doors open, that I can at least get my foot down, you know, at NXT. You got Samoa Joe down there. Um You you have a bunch of just amazing talent as part of that company, and uh I'd love an opportunity to work for those guys.
0: You know, it's funny. You could definitely go to NXT, or you can go to the WWE roster, you know, within the, after that 30 days is up. It's almost like a slam dunk given your ability and your look, but as you mentioned, uh, Samoa Joe going down there. That was kind of a surprise because you know he had never been to other uh, before. He'd never been to NXT. But what was it like wrestling Samoa Joe and TNA? I know you guys had several matches together.
2: Yeah, we did. You know, we worked uh, a good bit of house show together. We had a few TV spots together. Um, it's one guy that I, I kind of envy, uh, Crimson, because Crimson got to run a feud with Joe back in I guess 2013 or 14. And um, there's there's a few guys I wanted to to work with on a continuous basis, and he was one of them. And any time I got in the ring with Joe, he's been around forever, and I have the utmost respect for him. Um, and, he he teach, you know, he taught me so much, um, whether it just be as far as, you know, psychology or something different with my character, different moves. I mean, he's been in ring honor. He's done Japan. He's been on TNA. He's done it all now. So it's one guy that locker room
0: leader you definitely listen to because he's been around. Now, you mentioned before your feud with James Storm, and I, I was thinking, as you said that, I was thinking at that time that TNA was kind of like, you know, this storyline's okay, that storyline's okay, but for whatever reason, your feud with him just clicked. The chemistry was great between you guys, and you guys were having great matches after great matches. You had a steel cage match, you had an eye clip match. What was it with you and James Storm? Like What was what was the experience like with him? Because it seems like you guys just clicked.
2: Yeah, that's it. I think because we were married to each other practically for you know, six or seven months, and not only that, but even when I came to Impact in '09, started you know tag team wrestling and stuff like that. I was married to James and Bobby on the on house shows, you know, Gunner and Murphy on house shows for Lord like four or five months. Um, James is always uh, respecting me. I think because of the dues I paid to get my job there, and I've always respected James, obviously because he's been around and done a lot as well. And I think it's just two guys that really wanted to take a feud and make it the best as possible, make it emotionally, or the fans emotionally involved, So especially use my father and, you know, the military stuff that he would throw in, uh, him turning on me, and I think we did. Uh, we beat ourselves to death. I mean, the, the matches that folks see on TV, we were doing those matches on house shows as well, and that was for, you know, six months total. And it's funny because we would do, we did the lockdown match, and then the following week I think we did some TV tapings. like, okay, we want to pretty much do, The same match you guys did at Lockdown, but a little bit more. And we're like, how in the world are we going to do a little bit more and not kill each other? But we did. I mean, we went out there, I think, and each match had, you know, delivered a different aspect. We did different things that kind of, you know, got the fans really, really involved.
0: Yeah, the the chemistry with you guys is great, and the matches was great. Is there one match that sticks out to you as your best match that you had with James Storm?
2: I um, really probably either the cage match at Lockdown or our final match, the I Quit match. It was just uh, I really enjoyed some of the things we did, uh, you know, with the beer bottle and the, uh, you know, him draping me over the ropes, you know, pretty much lashing me with a belt, splitting me open, all kinds of stuff. So that one was really uh, a really fun match as well.
0: And obviously you and James uh, were tag team champs as well, and you guys did great matches uh, with the Dirty Heels, Aries Rude, um, Bromance, Dead Influence. What was it like teaming with James and, and having those great matches as well?
2: Yeah, it's another thing. Right? Being, being a you know a tag team with James, we we there's so many times that we wanted to uh, you know do a lot more things with the tag titles, but we kind of got you know, um, you know I guess set on the back burner in a way. But I mean, we did do a lot of a lot of fun things and then doing house matches with uh, Bad Influence. But teaming you know, with James is great. I mean, you got to look at track record. You got America's Most Wanted and Beer Money. So when it comes to tag wrestling, you know, he, he taught me a lot. This tag wrestling, I've always been a fan since I was a kid. It's kind of a lost art now. I mean, if you look at some of the, you know, tag teams, it's not really – you don't have the brain busters around anymore, tag teams like, you know, the Heart Foundation and stuff like that. So we wanted to kind of take and not just be two individuals. We wanted to be an actual team, uh, look-alike, act-alike, obviously have, you know, different personas, but we wanted to actually, you know, utilize the in teams instead of just two separate wrestlers. And uh, you know, teaming with James taught me a lot. It taught me tag team wrestling. It taught me singles wrestling. He was one of those guys that I would travel with, and he we would just talk wrestling all the time, talk characters, promos, and he's really good at promos. So it kind of, you know, helped me a lot when, you know, the opportunity came when TNA gave me the microphone, which was rare. James did. He helped me a lot. I owe
0: him a lot. I owe him a lot of respect. And another guy that you teamed with was Kit Cash. What was your experience working with a veteran like him?
2: I enjoyed it, man. It was, uh, you know, we still talk to this day and talk about, you know, some of the things we wanted to do and, and uh, didn't get to do. But um, he wasn't there much longer after we, after we teamed. But I've always, uh, you know, got along with David. Um, he's one of those guys that, uh, you know, he's not afraid to speak his mind. And if he doesn't like you, he'll tell you and vice versa. But, he, um, you know, he always, always seemed to, you know, take me under his wing and, and show me some things as well but I wish we could have done more. We did some house shows together. Uh, we didn't really get to do a lot, but,
0: you know. Also, I got to mention, like as you mentioned before, the team of Gunder and Murphy, which was an interesting, cool uh, pairing because at first, you know, no one was sure if you guys were just part of the security team or, or if you guys were actually, you know, going to be wrestling. So it was cool to see the transition as you guys turned and, and it became, you know, quote-unquote, full-time members of the roster who started wrestling. But what was your experience like like uh, teaming with Murphy and basically uh, coming of age in TNA?
2: Well, you know, a lot of people don't know I've known Murphy, or, or he wrestles as Michael Judas in the independents, but I've known him since 06 when I uh, did a lot of NWA stuff in Georgia and, and you know, throughout the U.S. But uh, so, you know, us going down there was a thing that Terry Taylor at the time when he was there as talent relations. It was Terry's way of getting – all of our foot in the door. He just, he, he knew us from the independent scene. And, uh, you know, it was funny because for a year and a half, we did the security thing and, I, and some, uh, something got lost. People left the company, but finally, like, I don't remember who it was, but they were, I think it was when D-Lo came. D-Lo had, you know, worked with me WWE in WWE and some dark matches before back in 08. And they didn't even know we were wrestlers. Whoever was in charge at the time, they were like, wait a minute, we didn't know you guys were wrestlers. And D-Lo, D-Lo was like, yes, so They gave us a little tryout match literally in front of the crowd coming into the impact zone, so at the time there was probably a hundred people walking in. It was me and Murphy against uh ink ink and uh after that, they gave us a contract, we worked some house shows, and you know it was fun for me and mike we uh me and murphy you know we had known each other for a while and just to be able to get out there and you know try to work with each other and keep our jobs and you know it was a good opportunity and i you know it's good because. Once Bischoff and Hogan came, they kind of put us in the immortal. And then it was like, well, we're going to see what you guys have as singles. And they did the old TV run with me. And um, I kind of, you know, just kept moving forward. You know, Murphy never did anything wrong. I just don't think he was given the right opportunity. But I tend to kind of just run with anything
1: I have. Yeah, that's uh, that's an interesting time. And that's actually what I wanted to hit on uh, right now is the, uh, the Bischoff-Hogan uh I guess, debut, coming in, whatever you want to call it, to TNA. Uh, That was an interesting time because, um, you know, TNA decided to go up against the WWE on Monday nights, and there was a lot of head-scratching with that because, uh, you know, the direction the Hogan-Bischoff regime seemed to be taking things, but it really seemed to be that's where your coming-out party started. Now, did you get to talk, you know, directly with Bischoff and Hogan, and did they have any interest in, in making you more of a standout single guy and, and breaking off from the security and, and being your own uh, character and your own entity?
2: They did. Both Bischoff and Hogan, I mean, they were really easily approachable. Um, you know, all the rumors I'd ever heard were not true. When they were there with uh, Impact, they were both really cool. I mean, uh, from, you know, Bischoff giving me a cell number, saying, hey, if you ever got any questions, call me. But, yeah, they were really um, – they seemed to really like me, uh, Hogan – always liked my facials and my intensity, and um, he, he said, keep that. He goes, you got that it factor. When you hear Hogan say that, you're like, oh, shoot, you know, this guy's uh, been around and done anything and everything. So it kind of sticks in the back of your mind, and Bischoff was the one that kind of taught me to to be big. You know, when you're uh, working indies and stuff like that, you tend to just worry about the crowd kind of around you, but when you're working a TV product, you've got the crowds everywhere, and you're working towards that uh, crowd at home as well. So, I mean, the knowledge that I got from both these guys – whether it be character, whether it be how to work TV um, was just great. And they were, you know, so respectful and so easily, easily approachable.
1: It just seems the perception of, you know, some of the comments you hear coming from guys who were in the company at the time. And I mean, I can't single out anybody specifically right now, but the, you know, that they were more about pushing their own agenda, but you see that they did pick out those guys that you really knew there was going to be a future with. And, it led to your singles run, and you got a, a run with the, the, I guess, short-lived TV title, uh, returning to TNA. Uh, but what was that like? Giving, you know, the ball, getting your, you know, your first chance at TNA Gold and being, you know, a champion on the roster, especially a TV champion where you have to compete, you know, nearly every week. Uh, how was that kind of uh, pressure being handed to you?
2: It really, you know, to be honest, uh, I got the TV that day, and they said, ah, uh, you know, you Murphy and Rob Terry is going to do a, you know, three-way. Yeah, you guys are kind of part of the immortal, but we're going to do some deal where you wrestle for the TV title. And Gunner, you're going to win the TV title. I went, whoa, all right, so this is, you know, fast. But unfortunately, like, once again, um, the TV title, there's something missing in wrestling, in in my opinion. And you got, you know, when I was growing up as a kid, the TV title, like you said, was defended every week. You know who the TV champion was. Uh, That was the, you know, like the Intercontinental title. That was the workhorse, you know, leading you up to the, uh, the world title for the most part. Um, you know, it's another thing that, that I think like they, they could have took that TV title. Um, let me wrestle guys instead of kind of, you know, not wrestling and then doing some stuff with, you know, with EY, I think I could have wrestled on a weekly basis for a good couple months and built who I was. That didn't happen. Um, but I think it was, there was a great opportunity for me to take that TV title. So, it was kind of lackluster for me. I got the title. I was like, all right, cool, this is going to be great. But then I really didn't do anything with it. So, you know, me and EY had a blast. Anytime I was in the ring with him, you know, we had a blast on all the little spoofs and stuff we did. But, uh, you know, it just, it's just another, you know, another opportunity, I think, in my career personally that could have
0: been a lot better. And with TNA – a little bit after that point with Immortal and, and you know, you, you, had, you were the TV champ, like we mentioned, and they were kind of giving you a little bit of a push there. You actually had, you know, eventually, not right away, but eventually down the line, you did have a pinfall victory over Sting. You did have a pinfall victory over Ken Anderson, who was a champ there. So did you think that they were actually going to keep on pushing you up, or did you think you were kind of still, you know, maybe going to be like an upper mid carter kind of guy, or did you think you were headed towards the main event at that point?
2: No, I personally, at that time, I was like, okay, they're giving me these, you know, pinfalls over these guys, A.J. Sting, Anderson, and many others. And, um, you know, these are guys that could have easily said, no, I'm not going to put this guy over. But each and every one of them always been just totally awesome about doing business and building somebody. Um, I think it was a moment where they – I knew that they were kind of giving me that mid-card push, and it was a, a moment where I was like, okay, with well, a mid-card push, you mean usually you're, you know, on your way to that main event level. Um you know, it went pretty well for the most part. And then I think pretty close, I think in 2000 and I don't remember, 13 maybe. It was right after a lot of that stuff, uh, right after the UK tour, I kind of sat home or sat for like eight months. So it was another, you know, my career with Impact, I love them. They've given me so many opportunities and I'll never once bash them or say anything bad about the company. But there were so many opportunities where it kept, you know, kept me moving my momentum would get jerked right out from under me, and it, and it happened
0: three or four different
2: times, and that was one of them. As you, you know, you're speaking about.
0: Yeah, definitely. I definitely thought you were, you know, on that push towards the main event level because of all the guys you were beating, even um, Rob Van Dam, who's you know a big name in the business. You also pinned him as well. So it was just yeah. weird. It was like um, you were headed in one direction, but it seems like TNA always either stagnates or maybe they just don't know creatively where to go in certain places. I feel, I don't know if you feel the same way, but do you think TNA basically almost, like, gets in their own way? Sometimes they almost get lost?
2: I, you know, I do, and, and I know all the, the writers really well, and, and there's so much going on with the product, but I think there's certain guys when you have a wrestling company that you invest in, um, they re-signed me three different times, so apparently they wanted to invest in me. You got me being a military veteran where I could have done so many different things, uh, you know, for the military and, um a spokesperson, kind of an ambassador for the company. But I think there's certain guys that you need to build the company around. And I can watch my matches from 09 when I started with Impact till now and go, man, I definitely improved. I definitely stepped my game up. I definitely did above and beyond what they asked me to do. Um, but I, you know, I think there was, there was a lot of balls dropped for sure. There was a lot of missed opportunities, you know, like the James Storm feud after that. Both of us could have went you know, separate ways, but, you know, still been part of a main event spot. You know, there's many guys that could that I wanted to work with more to better myself. Austin Aries being Warren. I worked Bobby Rooney some, but I wanted to work with him more, with EY more, and Kurt Angle. I mean, there's guys that, you know, you got young and upcoming stars. You let them work with your, you know, your veterans, but that kind of
0: never happened. Yeah. I think you hit the nail on the head perfectly. And that was you know, very well said, I, agree basically with everything he said there. Now, the one person who you've worked with in the past, basically, I, would almost, I wouldn't almost would say a uh, teammate, but you were with him almost in, in, in a stable of the mortal and you were kind of like his bodyguards, and that's Jeff Jarrett. He recently returned to uh, TNA, which is causing a lot of uh, controversy all over the internet because obviously he's in global Force wrestling, but what was your experience like with uh, Jeff Jarrett and um, were you shocked to see that he has returned to TNA?
2: I was, uh yeah, I heard the rumors about it last night, uh, you know, obviously tweets and
0: other guys
2: texting me. I was yeah, pretty shocked. I'm not sure what's going on there, if they're gonna do like a cross promotion or Jeff's just coming back for a one time, one deal. Um, you know, Jeff's heart lies in TNA. You gotta look at you know, he he founded it, he started the company and I think deep down aside he really like wants to be a part of that company. But uh you know, throughout the years, since '07, I worked at an indie show back in 07, and Jeff, you know, spoke highly about me and, and even helped kind of get my foot in the door, too, along with Terry Taylor uh, with TNA. So he's always been, I guess, a fan of mine, you could say, but I've always respected him for what he's done. I grew up watching the guy, and he's always been very approachable to me and, and very, uh, you know, he sh- shoot straight for me in here. You know, if he liked something, he'd tell me. If he didn't, he would let me know, hey, change this or, you know, do something different. But, uh, you know, I've always had a lot of respect for him. I'm not sure what's going on with the TNA thing. Like I said, it could be a just a one-match deal or it could be some cross-promotion with the global and uh, impact. So, you know, I think whatever it is, I want to see impact succeed. So many fans are tweeting and, and Facebooking about how, you know, the company's going out of business. But well, is that really good for wrestling if you look at it? Like there's if there's just one company or two companies with ring honor, what does that do for the professional wrestling world? It does nothing. It gives no guys less opportunity to have a job. I don't want to see TNA fail. There's so many guys, my friends that have jobs and it's just another company that needs to flourish even more.
0: Definitely. Now, As we start to do a little bit of a wind down here. One thing I, I have to mention is your run in the NWA. Yeah, obviously you were Phil Shatter at that point. You weren't Gunner. Now you're the NWA Anarchy Champion. You're the longest reigning NWA National World Champion. I believe it was 763 some odd days. Which is yeah. pretty amazing. And uh got to mention, a former guest of ours who who have mentioned you, now he's an NXT trainer, for the NWA World Title, you had some matches against Adam Pearce. What was it like working with him?
2: Yeah, man, I'm glad you mentioned that. You know, it's, uh, it's awesome because I did hold the national title for a long time, and it was something that I wished. that You know, at the time, they were kind of uh, grooming me to take the title from Adam Pearce, and he was totally cool about it. We were going to do a bunch of different matches and stuff. And right when we were gonna do the the switch over, I got signed, so like, well, can't do it now. But um working with Adam was one of those guys that at the time, you know, I needed, like, I mean I had worked with many, many good guys in the NWA and uh, you know, down in Cornelia, Georgia as Shatter, but Adam was just a new 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 level for me. He's one of those guys that for the first time would sit down in the locker room and he'd go, Yeah, let's just go out there and, you know, just do whatever and I'm like, What? I've never done this before, so that's new for me but Adam Wood, he would go out there. He's professional. I would just feed off the him. He knew how to work the crowd and he taught me so, so much. It was so cool. You know, I was always kind of heard that, Hey, you know, shadow. We're going to just start working with Adam Pierce. I knew the name. I knew the guy. and knew his, you know, he had an amazing track record. So I was, you know, at the time I was nervous. I was like, this is going to be my biggest opportunity to, um, step out of these small towns and, you know, get in these magazines or, or do Japan stuff or whatnot. And, uh, Adam really kind of took me under his wing, and, you know, he was super cool about everything. Worked with me on promos because that guy's promos remind me. He's like that Jake the Snake. He doesn't raise his voice until the time needs to be, and it's just he's very methodical about what he does in the ring and and with promos. So much respect for that guy. I'm glad that, you know, he uh, has a job training down at NXT and and a job in professional wrestling because a guy like that needs a job in professional wrestling.
0: Yeah, I totally agree. We love the Scrap Daddy, one of our favorite guests. He, he's such a well-spoken guy. He's such a great talker. He's so great on promos, but I almost feel like he could still be wrestling in NXT. I mean, or even WWE. He's not really that old. Totally,
2: uh, and I think I think honestly, like even doing training and stuff like that, I think that uh, there will be a you know opportunity that um, opens up for him to do some kind of match somewhere.
0: I personally think so. I hope so. Yeah, with he- think. With you, you've wrestled, actually you have been in ROH before. You've been in the AAA in Mexico. Obviously, you've been all over the NWA. What would you say would be your favorite match that you've had? Oh, man. (laughs) Um,
2: Honestly, you know, probably, you know, I get asked a lot. I had a match with uh, AJ Styles in 2013, I believe, was the tour I did. It was Manchester, and we there was no TV that year. It was just, uh, you know, just kind of a house show, and there was probably probably five thousand people there. And it was one of those nights where, you know, I had always been intimidated to work AJ, but was, at that time I'd worked him a handful of times, so I was like, okay, I'm good. Like AJ, the man. But uh, we go out there, you know, we do our things, but there was a lot of moments in the match where I actually finally got to uh, experience filling the crowd and like using the ropes of the hill and making the referee catch me and just doing different things and. Uh, we just had a blast. We worked, you know, like a 15-minute match, and, and that's one that always stands in the back of my head. Or, you know, my uh, – I have a bunch of indie matches I could talk to you guys all day about, but as far as, like,
1: you know, probably
2: – my main event in Manchester with uh, Magnus as well. Just, you know, the crowd there, were real worried because Magnus is literally from that town maybe an hour away. So we're like, oh, man, this could be, this could be bad. They can boo gunner and cheer Magnus, and this goes the opposite direction. But it had heat. We went out there in the crowd of the year that I realized man these people love me like I don't know what it is but the UK fans love me and uh we went out there and had a blast
0: Now any uh, indie matches like you said was there any indie matches that stick out maybe a match against Adam Pierce
2: Yeah yeah <laughs> funny match me and Adam Pierce we had in a uh like a, uh, a fairgrounds but they they held the, the the show in the um I guess like the cattle area so here we are with the ring in the middle of a bunch of hay, and uh, it was just miserable, man. You had so much, like, dust and everything just flying around the ring. So, it was one of those matches me and Adam always talk about it. Like, we had so much fun that night, but we literally, literally went like eight minutes, but I think one of my uh, most fun matches with Adam was probably in Charlotte with the uh, the NWA Fan Fest stuff we did, and me, him, and Blue Demon did a way. And, of course, the Blue Demon, you know, hard language barrier there, but we all three went out there and had a really good time, and you know, I just kind of stuck with Adam. And it was just one of those times where the fans were really – it was one of those, like, ring iron crowds where it was in a little ballroom. It was, like, 6,700 people, and it was just loud and hot. You know, the energy was, you know, great.
0: Now, obviously, you've had matches with Adam Pearce. I mean, you've pinned Sting, RVD, Ken Anderson, a lot of huge names, a lot of great competitors. But do you have a favorite opponent? Would it be James Storm? Uh, yeah, I get asked that often. Uh,
2: you know, right now, I think, uh, no, I don't know. I, you know, James, I love wrestling James. Favorite opponent would, and, and there's such a missed opportunity there because we had that one match. And I think it was Sam Shaw. And, you know, we didn't do a lot together. And I know people are like, well, you didn't really wrestle that much. But when it comes to, like, two guys that wanted to build their name even more and do more, you know, me and Sam have the same mind. Like, we're young. We want it. We do what you ask us to. And we had that one match at Bethlehem, and they were like, Yeah, we're we'll probably going to do some stuff with you guys in the UK, but it never happened. And it's just uh, our chemistry together. Like, we were all about less is more. I'm, I'm not, you know, my style of wrestling. I can do it if I have to, but I don't, I can't go out there and do, you know, 100 flips. I have to, you know, I grew up watching, like, you know, the Triple H's and stuff like that, and these guys that told a story with their face and told a story with their selling, and told a story by, you know, like him and Shawn Michaels and, and stuff like that. So that's really what me and Sam have a, you know, a clique with. We like to watch a lot of old wrestling. And, uh, you know, I, I think he's one of my favorites, to be honest with you.
0: Were you surprised to see that TNA let Sam Shaw go as well?
2: Yeah. Yeah, it was about uh, three weeks before my, uh, you know, my my departure. And uh, I hate it, but, you know, the thing about Sam is he's a go-getter and he's not going to see it. Man, he's got great um, you know, talent, and I think somebody's going to snatch him up. I could see him
0: being down at NXT also. Yeah, the interesting thing is now when guys that are in major companies like even WWE or TNA, they get released, the indie scene is so much different now than it was years ago. I mean, guys are like the young bucks. They're making a living on the indie scene. Have you, uh, I know you, I think you've only done about maybe one indie show, um, recently, but have you seen or have you felt any change in the indie scene as far as when it was years ago before you signed with TNA? Yeah, I, de- I definitely have. I feel like indie scenes,
2: like, there's so many good, uh, good promotions out there now. It's kind of like small territories. I mean, there's, I live here in Winston-Salem, North Carolina, and there's a few <coughs> a few good ones here, um, one called AML and one called PWX, and they are they got a fan base. So they got, like, a small Ring of Honor fan base, and, um, I love to see that because you got this great talent that needs to be showcased and they're not always going to get seen on TV. But when you have these small little kind of territories popping up, um, it's great. I love doing Indies. i got a, a bunch of them in July and then, you know, some stuff in August. So I, I try and do as many as I can, um, especially now I'm kind of doing what I can when I can until, you know, something pops up. But um, I enjoy the Indies. Uh, it's a lot better now than when it was, you know, a few years back before I came to TNX.
0: Yeah, it's it's definitely different. Like years ago, you would see a guy get released, and it would kind of be like, oh man, they'd be down the dumps. Now it feels like some of the guys get released and they get re- reborn, and they you know end up making more money than they did in some of the other companies that they were working for.
2: Oh yeah, totally. I mean, they go out there and, and you got indie guys that have built a name for themselves um, just by working indies, not doing any TNA or WWE stuff. And I love to see that. Like I said, I think that uh, wrestling's at a different level right now. Um, you know, you got two, three major companies with, you know, three with Ring of Honor getting their TV deal now. And uh, I'm glad to see all that happening. Like wrestling, everybody was talking about it's it kind of in a dead spot, but you know, I don't think so. Wrestling's never going to be dead to me. I think it's, uh, there's always a place for the entertainment.
1: Now, what exactly would you say, if you could pick one, your dream match would be if you were to write it down right now?
2: <laughs> me and, uh, I would Undertaker man. I you know, obviously Shawn Michaels retired and, uh but yeah, Undertaker, because he's one of you know, I'm good buddies with Shannon Moore. And he's always like, dude, Shannon Shannon's always like, dude, Taker would love you because he's all about, you know, the guys who uh, beat the road and beat the miles and, and paid the dues and um you know, I've met Taker before and did some little spots with him as far as like, you know, carrying his casket out, which really isn't anything. But, you know, um that yeah, definitely Taker. Unfortunately he's kind of Seems like he's on his way out as well, just injuries and stuff like that. But uh, you know, if there's another one, probably uh, Randy Orton.
1: That's that's definitely a great two. Now, with your just quickly before we get to the last question here. So, with working WWE, uh, you know, as an extra or whatever, did you were you able to get time with some of those names and you know either just a quick hello or uh, maybe a question or two, or was it um, you know was it more guarded with some of those big guys?
2: No, uh, really, they were always easily approachable. I haven't done, obviously, WWE stuff since 08, um, but Taker was always easily approachable. I remember, uh, you know, uh, I, uh, you know, talked to Shawn Michaels. It wasn't long. I mean, these guys are, you know, they're busy doing stuff, but <clears throat> just asking advice and, and guys like Regal, were always, you know, just super, super approachable, one or two. And I, I think that's really what he impressed They're like, oh, this kid wants to learn. and you know, it's really good to be able to kinda of pick the brain, especially if they're usually standing around the ring doing something or not doing anything or just talking. That's the moment you just go say, Hey, excuse me, sir, can I can ask you a question. And um for the most part they all were pretty cool.
1: Awesome. Now did you have any dark matches at all?
2: I did in wait, man. I uh um I was there see in uh Knoxville, Tennessee and uh what was it? Yeah, me and D I was supposed to have a tag team dark match that night and, and um Johnny Ace come up to me and said, "Hey, I'm going to take you out of that tag match and we're going to, you know, make you. Uh, we're going to give you a singles match." He goes, "You any good?" And I just looked down and said, "I think I'm pretty good." And He goes, "All right, All right. well, I like that answer." So me and D-Lo had a dark match. It went really well, and uh, I got off of the developmental, but things started stirring up with uh, TNA at that time for me, and as when well his deals were, uh, you know, I ended up going with TNA at that time. So, but. Uh, huh. I don't regret it. I don't regret my decisions at all. You know, things happen for a reason, and, and uh, you know, hopefully maybe I'll have an opportunity with WWE again. But, yeah, dark match were good. I remember at 08 and Knoxville.
1: Awesome. Now, as we said, the, the last question is the elusive. It's usually the Diamond Dallas page, where do you see yourself in five years question, but I'm not going to throw you five years. I'm going to throw you one year, and with everything <clears> that's <throat> been going on and we talk about maybe the next boom for pro wrestling with all the new, you know, promotions coming up, where do you see Gunner a year from now?
2: Um, I'm open more on the uh the big screen. I'm really been diving into acting. I got, you know, two two pretty good movies under my belt from the past four months and waiting on a few more. Um, you know, an opportunity with a T V show in LA. Uh love professional wrestling. Obviously if you know if we're gonna go to that side of uh, acting, but if not, I, I I'm still wanting that childhood WrestleMania moment. Um, 33, not getting any younger, and as a kid, I dreamed of uh, wrestling in front of 80,000 people. So uh, WrestleMania would be amazing.
1: Awesome. Well, we, I, I would love to book that for you right now. But please tell the <laughs> fans where they could go if they want to, you know, get get one on one with Gunner. I want to say book it, but one on one with Gunner. Uh, please, any plugs that you have, please share. Yeah.
2: You go ahead and uh, you know. I, my Twitter, obviously, is at TNA underscore Gunner. Right now, it's in the process of uh, getting changed, but we'll, you know, I'll spread the word. I have a Facebook; it's under my real name, Chad Lale. And then, um, you know, I, I always tweet out my uh, my email address. Fans, you know, you guys, the same way, just uh, asking for an opportunity for. a...